Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. denied knowing someone. Sometimes we deny it for good reasons. Sometimes maybe it's not for good reasons. But sometimes we're so embarrassed that we, how, okay, well, let's be honest. How many of you have ever denied your parents because they embarrassed you at some point, right? All right. Well, as I was working on the sermon this week, I got to thinking about probably the most significant moment of denial in the Selvage household. And so I went back actually looking for a picture and I found a video instead. So you all p- turn your attention to the screens this morning for a slight a video about denial in the salvage household. like played in slow motion which makes it even funnier to watch her reaction I thought she was just gonna die like she knew that we were coming to breakfast that morning with her class but she did not know that her dad and our office assistant Phil were gonna show up with an accordion Jeremy does not know how to play the accordion you guys he's just winging that thing back and forth oh my word she said to me this week, she goes, I, think, I seriously think that is the one and only time dad has really embarrassed me. She's like, but I wanted to die that day. So there is a, a moment of denial. But on a more serious note this morning, if you'll open your Bibles to Mark 14, verses 66 through 72, we're going to read together about when Peter disowns Jesus. says this, meanwhile, Peter was in the courtyard below. One of the servant girls who worked for the high priest came by and noticed Peter warming himself by the fire. He noticed him closely and said, you were one of those with Jesus of Nazareth. But Peter denied it. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. Just then a rooster crowed. When the servant girl saw him standing there, another servant girl, she began telling others, this is the man, he was definitely one of them. But Peter denied it again. 
A little while later, some of the other bystanders confronted Peter and said, you must be one of them because you're a Galilean. Peter swore, a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know this man that you're talking about. And immediately the rooster crowed a second time. Suddenly, Jesus' words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. And he broke down and wept. This is the word of the Lord for the people, and we all say together, thank you, God. So Peter, three times, he denies Jesus. He's approached saying, do you know him? And three times he says no. In the same passage, if you look in Luke, it's in verse 2261, it says, At the moment the Lord turned and looked at Peter, suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. If we go back a little ways in the chapter to verses 27 through 31, we read on the way, Jesus told them, all of you will desert me. For the scripture says, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared empathetically. Even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all of the others there vowed the same thing. So Jesus tells Peter he's going to deny him three times. Peter does. He denies him three times. And just as he denies him the third time, Jesus turns and he looks at him. Jamie mentioned this in his passage you know, when, he taught, when he was up here talking. He turns and he looks at him. I don't know about you, but this moment for me, as I was reading and studying this week, it just rips my heart out to think. Um, I can almost feel what Peter felt. When at, a, a ga- at the gathering of disciples, he's so sure of himself, right? He says, I'm not going to deny you. I'm with you in this. I'm going to stand by you. And all the rest of the disciples are saying the same thing. And now he's denied him three times, and Jesus knows it. And what does Peter do? He's cowering back, and as Jesus is being led out, he turns and he looks at him. That had to be an agonizing look. Oh, it, it, oh the truth of the situation, it literally brings me to tears. I was sitting there this week, and I, I just started crying thinking about it. And what I couldn't help but think about was times in my life with my own dad. My dad in our household did not have to say a word for me to receive punishment. All he had to do was look at me. Literally. He looked, my mom laughed. She's like, your dad never really had to punish you. He looked at you and you started crying. I'm sorry. I, like, I would fess up to something before I even was approached by it because I just knew. And I didn't want to disappoint my dad. And I was heartbroken. I, I, would, be, I would be brought to tears and say, dad, I'm sorry. And it, it, it didn't even require words. This phrase, um, he says, you will deny me. The same thing happens to Peter here. He looks at the Messiah, and with one look, look in an instant, the words of the Messiah come back to him. You will deny me. And now we have a broken man in tears realizing the scope of what he's done. The phrase can apply to us today. 
we are going to deny God. We have denied God. Moments in our lives when, we den- lives when we deny knowing him, when we deny his lordship in our lives. You know, I think we can, when we think of deny God, we think of people who just say, I don't want anything to do with God. But let's bring it closer to home for those of us who serve God on a daily basis. We deny God when we don't allow him lordship over the everyday activities of our life. We deny God when we're at our job and people don't necessarily believe the way that we do. And rather than stand up, what do we do? We just stand by. We deny God when we get sucked into that gossip circle every time. We deny God when our, our friends choose activities that we don't necessarily agree with, but we go along because why? We don't want to lose their friendship. We deny God when things um, get heated at a work meeting and we blow up. When we disagree with our spouse and end up in a yelling match and say things that we don't mean, that's a way of denying God. We deny God the ability to reign in our lives. We deny God the ability to navigate day by day, the things that we do. We don't just deny God by not showing up at church on Sunday. Man, we've said this time and time again. What we learn here, we're supposed to be taken out into everything we do. Do we take him with us? Do we allow him, do we allow the things that we hear and we learn and we sing and we say, do they transform our lives every single day? My screen doesn't want to go anywhere. Sorry, you guys. Okay. So Peter has a choice. He has a choice to stand up. To stand up means to remain sound and intact under stress or close scrutiny. Or he has a choice to stand by. To stand by is to remain apart or aloof. We have that same choice. We have the choice to stand up for Christ outside of our comfortable church gatherings. Or to stand by and remain apart from the work of God in our daily lives and in the world. God's desire for us is to be a people who would stand up, though. He wants us to be a people who are so in tune with Christ that we're able to withstand the temptation to fall apart under stress or just to step back. Peter had a choice to stand up and, see, and he could say, yeah, I'm with him. Or yes, I know him. He had that choice three times, right? But what does Peter do? He steps back into the shadows because it's just a little more comfortable. He doesn't want to risk his life. He doesn't want to be associated with the Savior. The disciples experienced the teaching of Christ, right? They got to live life with him. We've been talking about that as we've worked through Mark. This group of men were the closest ones to Jesus in history. They got to sit at his feet and be taught by him in person. And even after all that they learned, we've noticed this all through the book of Mark, what do they do? They mess up. They mess up again and again. They doubt. They have fear. They, they, don't, they don't understand And here again, they all failed. But this is another reminder of the message of the gospel. And you know what it is? They experienced forgiveness and reconciliation. God, he says to them, Jesus says, I will meet you in Galilee and bring you back together. He knew they were all going to deny him. And yet he says, I'll bring you back together. 
I know that you're human, and I'm going to bring you back together. Why? God's grace. Y'all, God's grace has been messing with me lately. I've been reading some books. We're going to be talking about it here in, in the next few months, but oh, I don't know that we fully understand God's grace. I think we, we get elements of it, but God's grace is so much bigger. God's grace is for screw-ups. Anybody say amen to that? Yeah. Yeah. Jesus predicted that all men would deny him, and Peter would deny him three times, but he also made a promise. I'm going to bring you back together. I'm going to bring you back to me. So this misfit group of men from varying backgrounds who were far from perfect continued to make mistakes. They denied Jesus in the hours before his death, and yet he brought them back together. This morning, we're going to gather again at the table as a reminder of the goodness of, and grace of God. In the midst of our betrayal, Jesus offers us his gifts of grace. And the only reason that we deserve them, it's because Jesus says we do. It's not by actions on our part. It's his gift. If those are help, who are helping serve communion this morning would come forward and begin handing these out, as you receive them, I would like you just to take them and hold on to them for a minute. One of the things that we've noticed all throughout the book of Mark is the continuing message of grace. As we gather in a church, right, we come to learn. We come to be discipled. We gather in small groups to learn and to be discipled. How many of you, when you leave church and when you leave your small group, go out and you have it all together and you have it all right? Nobody. We take our imperfect selves and we live into that and say, God, I'm not perfect, but I'm going to try. God, I'm probably going to deny you in some way, but I'm so thankful that if I do, you're still going to forgive me. Because God has grace for us. So what are the ways that you deny him? What are the ways in your daily life, how are you not letting him reign and rule in your life? How are you not, what is that thing that you're not letting him into? What is that thing that you're saying, I've got this? How many of you, okay, wait, let me, well, this one you can raise your hands on. How many of you have ever handled a situation and said, I've got this, right? You handled the situation and it fell apart. Raise your hand. And then how many of you willingly go back to God and say, God, I, I left you out of this? And maybe you tried it a second time. Does anybody willing to admit? You tried it a second time, and this time you surrendered it to God, and guess what? It worked out. Raise your hand. There are times in our marriage where Jeremy and I have tried it on our own. But when God's not the, at the middle of our marriage, man, we screw up. We are. We mess up. But when we keep Christ at the center of our marriage, that's when things start to work. That's when the well-oiled machine begins to find its function, right? But a well-oiled machine needs Jesus in the center of it or it gets rusty and rickety and it falls apart. 
Where in your life do you need the oil of Christ to freshen you up? This morning, we invite you to the table. You don't have to be a member here at Real Life to receive communion. You simply have to acknowledge that you need Jesus as your Savior. Whether you find yourself standing um, by your desire for Christ, wherever that is, you are welcome. By receiving the elements of communion, we acknowledge that Christ is the Messiah and that he gave his body and blood so that we could have life. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he gathered with his closest followers for a meal. He sat with those men around that table. We've been talking about it. They had done this before. It was routine for them to gather, but tonight was different. By the morning, guess what? They were all going to deny him. But that didn't change what Jesus was about to do. Peel the top layer off and pull out your wafer. Following the meal, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. And he gave thanks, saying, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat this in remembrance of me. Peel the next layer. In the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he passed it, giving thanks, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink in remembrance of me. In doing these things, he established a meal for all of his followers then and now. This meal would be a vital reminder of his love for every one of them, and it's also for every one of us. Stand with me this morning. God, we come before you this morning, and we ask that you continue to shower your love and your grace upon us, because we do, we mess up, and we deny you, and we don't give you opportunity to reign in our lives like you so desire to. But God, I pray that this morning, for the one in here who feels like they can never get it right, that they would hear the message of saying, your grace is bigger than their mess-ups. For the one who feels like their problem is too big, may they hand it to you and say, of course it's too big for me, but it's not too big for you. For the one whose marriage is struggling, may they surrender it to you and work on it together. For the one whose family relationships are broken, may they surrender it to you and allow you to work through them to bring healing. For the one who denies you at school because they're afraid of what people are going to think, may they choose to surrender to you and stand up for you rather than just stand by. Lord Jesus, may we become a people who make it a practice of standing up. May we get right into the thick of things because we stand up with you. It was never a promise that it would be easy. That's not what you promise us, but God, the reward is worth it in the end. Lord, I pray that as we go this week, that you would go with us. That we would not leave you in this tidy box in the church, but we would take you and that you would weave your way into us, into the very core of who we are, so that we would be your beacons of hope and grace to those that are around us this week. In your name, amen.
Church, in all that you do, may you not deny who Christ is. May you not deny what Christ wants to do in and through each one of you. May you allow him room to navigate in your life. May you stand up for Christ this week and may your heart be blessed because of it. May you link arms with others this week who need help to stand up on their own. May your week be blessed as you find ways to bless all that you come in contact with. Go and have a great day.